You've heard me talk about DraftKings. They're the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can get big paydays, huge cash prizes. It's really easy. It's simple. You just make your lineup on DraftKings before the game. You watch the game. It's more exciting if your team's not playing. You can feel the excitement if your player's getting close to being able to win you a bunch of money. I mean, it it means even more. Just random games every night mean more when you've got a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. That's a huge amount of money. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code TBPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code TBPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. What's up, everybody? This is Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pace Rules Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pace Rules on Twitter. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Pace Rules Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers. But the bias this week is for the Australian Boomers, who had uh, their second victory in an exhibition game against the USA in the span of about three or four years yesterday. Uh, Patty Mills, Matisse Thibel, leading, leading him to a victory over Team USA in the exhibition pre-Olympic play. We've got that to talk about. We've got the Olympics obviously coming up next week. Uh, we've got some Pacers news as well to get to. We've got some rumors around Colin Sexton trading down. We've got some Eric Gordon stuff to go through. So even though the Pacers haven't been playing for about the last six weeks, there's plenty to talk about. But I want to kick it off with the Boomers. We are an Australian podcast. The three of us are... Uh, died to the wool, green, gold, Australian guys. And we were all very, very excited to see uh, the Australian basketball team, the men's Australian basketball team, the Opals, of course, the women's basketball team kick off later in the week. But the men's basketball team gain a impressive victory against the USA off the back of a pretty lackluster performance against Argentina earlier in the week where it uh, it felt like we didn't have a lot of offensive flow. Um, but I think we can agree that the uh, the Australian of the Year in 2022, Alex, is going to be Matisse Thibel at this point. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, man, because obviously we're a Pacers podcast. We watch the Pacers, right? But we also watch other NBA teams. You know, obviously Matisse is an all NBA game, uh, all NBA defensive guy. I knew he was good on that end. He's so much better than I expected though. Yep. Like I really didn't know what to expect when he came, well, when he said he wanted to play for the boomers, but what's he got? He's got, he's got to have like six or seven steals in the two games. And then maybe the same with blocks, right? Yeah. So, he's I got something like eight blocks stats. in two yeah. games. It's yeah. crazy Unreal. defensive stats. And, and today he blocked a, a Kevin Durant jump shot, which, yep. you know, there aren't many people in the world who can do that. Yeah, so we need uh, some Matisse Thibel Australian merch for for the Boomers what listening. But yeah, he, him and Paddy Mills have been just unbelievable to watch. I think there's a perception of Australian basketball players in that you know they're they're really hard workers, but they're not very athletic. And mm-hmm. you know, I think Thibel's really changing that perception. He's the exact type of player that the Boomers really need in the Olympics to match it with the athleticism of the of the US and and other countries around the world, not just the US. I mean, Nigeria has been super impressed. Impressive. Um, obviously, Luca's going to play in the Olympics as well. You've got uh, Spain. You've got so many other countries that that have you know fielded NBA players over the last few years and and really good international play. But um, 
it's great to see Australia not only fielding the old guards, so Paddy Mills, Aaron Baines, Joe Ingalls, guys who for whom this is their last Olympic Games, but um, Matisse Thibel coming through. You've seen Josh Giddy on the bench. Uh, he's in the extended squad for these exhibition games. At least he's able to be around the team, be around the veterans, understand what the culture is. I would have loved to seen him uh, make the team for Tokyo because I think we actually need his playmaking off the bench. Um, our guards tend to be shooters rather than distributors. But, I mean, how valuable is it, Justin, for a guy like Giddy to be around these veteran Australian guys, around this boomers culture for the space of three or four weeks to prepare him for, you know, what it takes to be a professional basketball player for the rest of his career? Yeah, the, you know, the experience is invaluable. You, you hear NBA players, young players like Anthony Davis when they were kind of on the Redeem team and, you know, how much that helped his career, just being around LeBron, D-Wade, Kobe. Um, so, you know, I know it's not to that extent, but, you know, Giddy thing firsthand, how Paddy Mills prepares for a game, how Joel Ingles prepares for a game. Um, I'm kind of like you, Adam, as well. I think his playmaking off the bench would be great. I don't I don't know why he couldn't maybe steal some minutes, minutes off uh, like Nick Kay or something, someone like that. So, um, yeah, great. Hey? Nathan Sobey, I think, is uh, is probably the one that I'd drop off in favour of Giddy. Sobey had a great NBL season, don't get me wrong, but he's once again, he's a scorer. Giddy looks for his teammates first and looks for his own shot second, and that's really what we kind of need off the bench. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But terrific start, like you mentioned as well at the top. I actually didn't think the Aussies were going to beat Argentina. Um, looked a bit lackluster up until halftime, but um, yeah, yeah. Our boy, the flag bearer, uh, Paddy Mills, has always been clutching the Olympics and is delivered again. Is there a bigger disparity between production at an NBA level and production at a FIBA level than Paddy Mills historically? I mean, Alex, this guy's been you know coming off the bench for San Antonio what feels like forever now, won a championship with San Antonio in, uh, in 2014. But Greg Popovich, the, the coach that he beat today, uh, doesn't tend to play him a whole lot. I mean, this season we saw him probably in a few more bigger moments in terms of being the key scorer off the bench for the Spurs. But, I mean, he's just – he goes to this other place when he's got green and gold on his chest. And uh, he's – yeah, it's it's quite unbelievable to see a guy make a leap like that. Well, I think it's just – you know, a lot of it is just opportunity, right? Like, when he comes to play for Australia, he is the main guy. It's his team. It's not – let Kawhi Leonard's team or Tim Duncan's team or uh, DeJounte Murray or DeRoe. Like, he's not playing with yeah. these other crazy better players, right? So he's the starter. He's the point guard. He's the main scorer on the uh, the Aussie team. And, yeah, it, it's insane because I think he averaged like 24 or 25 a game in the World Cup yeah. back in 2018. He was – yeah, it, it's honestly insane. And, hey, Paddy's a free agent this summer. Uh, obviously, we've been dying for, for an Aussie on the paces. Who, who knows, man? Who knows? Look, at this point, I'm willing to give up just about everyone for Matisse Thibel, um, based on what I've seen in two exhibition <laughs> yeah. games at FIBA level. But, I mean, it, it's a really interesting question that you bring up. Like, Paddy's a free agent this year, Justin. Is there an opportunity for him out there to be more featured in an offense? Like, is there an opportunity for him to be your Lou Williams off the bench and still score in the mid-teens every game and, and get get shots up and be a, a key scorer or, you know, will he only ever be known as a three-point specialist who can hit a couple of buckets for you at NBA level? I think it's a really good question. Uh, I think a few years ago for San Antonio, he he was really good off the bench, but um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure. I'm still salty we picked AJ Price over him. I, I've mentioned this on a podcast before, but <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted Paddy Mills so bad and he was awesome with Portland and now for Spurs, he's great. But um, yeah, I, I'd love it. You know, Paddy Mills, I think, you know, we mentioned it on the other podcast again. This is what Australians want Ben Simmons to be like. He he is nationally loved. I've never heard an Australian say a bad word about Paddy Mills. Never. You can't help but love him. He represents the country so well. He speaks so well. Um, you know, he speaks highly and does well for the Indigenous community as well. Um, he's just the perfect flag bearer for our country and... Yeah, I couldn't be more proud of him, to be honest. He brings people together. I think the, you know, you've seen so much divisiveness around the world, not just in in America, not just in other countries, but Paddy Mills is deeply, deeply proud and devoted to his heritage. And I think he... His, you know, personality is is infectious. His leadership is infectious. I think he makes everyone understand and respect his heritage. And um, I think he he's done, you know, just as much for the Australian Indigenous community as any sports person in the history of this country, I would say. I mean, it, there are, you know, greats. I mean, you, you talk about Ash Barty this week, who was the the first Australian woman to win Wimbledon in, in 50 years, happens to be an Indigenous woman, just like everyone Goolagong was 50 years ago. And, you know, th- there's there's such a there's such a magic about sport. And I think, you know, Paddy, Ash Barty, two fantastic examples of people who represent Australia to the very highest degree and no one, you'll never hear anyone say a bash, bad word about Ash Barty. You'll never hear anyone say a bad word about Paddy Mills. And that's why, I mean, to, to bring this back to Simmons, as you were saying, Justin, it, it, it pains me that he doesn't see that opportunity. I mean, there is no bigger, I guess, goat on the negative end than Ben Simmons on Twitter right now. Like he's copying it from all sides. He is, you know, he, there's so much negativity around his game. There's so much negativity around the shortcomings that he's displayed in the playoffs year after year. There is no better way to improve his overall, I guess, um, love of the with the public than to play for the boomers and to do well for the boomers and to leave it all on the court for his country. I mean, Australia wants to love Ben Simmons. You, you can feel it. He's in, you know, uh, advertising campaigns all over. People want a guy to root for that's at the top level, that's an all-star. you got to remember there's, there's no all-stars on this Boomers team. So Australians want a star to, you know, kids wearing Ben Simmons jersey everywhere. You see them everywhere around Australia. And for him not to see the opportunity ahead of him and instead to choose to sort of lock himself away and to work on his game rather than be around professionals that that want to see him succeed. I just, Alex, I don't get it. I just, I really, I'll never understand it. Well, he's uh, doing a good job working on his game at Wimbledon, isn't he, mate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but I will, I'll, I think we touched on this. I don't know if he'll ever play for Australia. And I'll also say, do you guys think this is actually about him working on his game, or because, like, to me, no. I don't see him coming back next season with like a jump shot or anything. No. So, I, I, it has to be something else. He's he's had his chance. Like he, he said this a few years ago. Like you've had your chance. You should be in the gym night or eight a.m. to six p.m. every single day. He should come out next season and be a, a good shooter. Um, you know the great players do it. If if you remember, Le, LeBron was not a good three point shooter. He was early a terrible three point shooter. 
Terrible. Terrible. And he, he was terrible in the clutch. And he's worked on his game um, because he wants to be considered a great player, and he is. Um, you know, even just to bring it paces-related, Sabonis couldn't shoot a three-pointer. He really couldn't shoot well, and now he can hit that shot. So players are working on the game. If you're not working on the game, you're not going to succeed in the playoffs. And you see with Ben Simmons, obviously not working on his game hard enough. And, you know, the proof's in the pudding in the playoffs. He, he basically cost his team a series. Yeah, it's it's really unbelievable. And I think frustrates all three of us and makes us, you know, sort of wonder what could be in terms of Ben Simmons devoting himself to Australian basketball for, you know, six weeks, um, getting around players that are going to try and exploit his strengths, try and, you know, lift up his weaknesses, of which there are a couple of glaring ones that everyone talks about all the time. And, you know, just being in an environment with a bunch of professionals that want to see him do well and that have his best interests in mind, because from what's come out lately, it just doesn't seem like the people around him actually you know, have the the right mindset, the right approach for this guy to succeed long-term. And that's really sad because you can't pick your family, um, but you can pick who you surround yourself with. And, and Ben Simmons is obviously surrounding himself with the people who he thinks have his best interests in mind, but for some reason it's not clicking. So, you know, I'm a big believer that you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And right now, Ben Simmons, the, the people that he's spending time with, clearly aren't lifting him up to the level that he needs to be lifted up to because he could be an absolute superstar in the NBA. He could lead Australia to a gold medal. He could, you know, he could be, to use an Australian expression, he could be anything. But unfortunately, he's um, he's not. And it's, uh, it's quite sad. Speaking of quite sad, um, the Indiana Pacers are rumored to want to trade for Eric Gordon. That's quite <laughs> sad. Uh, I, I could not hate that anymore if I tried. Another guy who's played college in Indiana, you know, local guy. We love the local guys. Alex, can you... Can you try and make sense of this for me or at least like tell me it's going to be okay because I, I'm disgusted at the thought of this. No, I'm sorry, man. I'm with you. This is, to me, like this makes zero sense. Look, the last thing the Indiana Pacers need is another injury-prone player. Like well, yeah. we don't need another guy who's going to play 20 games, get injured, and then sit on the bench. Not to mention the fact that Eric Gordon's contract it's ridiculous. is ridiculous. Isn't it like eighteen million next season or something insane? Yep. Which, if that was the case, he would be getting paid the same as Karis Levert. So, look, uh, selfishly, I want to keep the lottery pick just because we haven't had one since Miles. But even then, like, if you're going to trade down, don't do it for Eric Gordon, man. I know he's on what, like, two or three years left on his deal, and I understand the yep. appeal of that. But yeah, I, look, it just doesn't make sense to me. The Rockets have got what the second pick in the draft. Cool, give us that. We'll give, take Eric Gordon. No problems. Like attach whoever you want to that uh, if you want to give us a second pick. But um, another guy that the Pacers have been rumored to be interested in uh, is Cleveland Cavaliers guard Colin Sexton. Uh, Sexton this year had a few, or over the last couple of years, had a few chemistry issues with Kevin Love. Uh, tended to shoot the ball a lot. Has you know taken a bit of a leap this year in terms of scoring a lot more but once again Justin I, I, I just have not seen a Pacers rumor that I've liked which makes me happy because no Pacers rumors tend to come true but I mean Colin Sexton it, he, he can't be the answer right? No nah, I, I wouldn't have thought so um, I think the Pacers are 
there will be a move this offseason. There has to be. Like, has to be, I, yeah. I listened to Kevin Pritchard on, uh, I think it's like the Big Joe show or something like that in, in the last few days. And you, you can tell he's, you know, there's going to be a move made. You can tell he's saying, oh, you know, Rick, Rick's happy with this current team and moving forward with it, uh, maybe just adding a few little pieces to the bench. But we, we can't be doing that. Like, that's exactly the same we did this year. And they brought up, you know, oh, if we're healthy. But I think... Pritchard knows, you know, this team has to make a move. Colin Sexton, I don't think is the answer. Uh, Eric Gordon, I definitely don't think he's the answer. He's a bit too old uh, at this point. So, yeah, I haven't seen a rumour I've liked, like you mentioned, Adam, but we know with the Pacers, we'll wake up one morning from a watch bomb and we'll be like, oh, my God, I didn't see that happening. Um, the one thing I'll say, they just say, though, reading between the lines, I could be way off here, but I think Brogdon's a lot more available than most people think. Yeah, very true. I look, it, it's no, uh, I guess, coincidence that the Pacers are linked to scoring guards. They're, they're linked to, to guards overall, but scoring guards. We've heard reports that TJ McConnell is coming back. We've heard, obviously, that the Pacers want to get the ball in the hands of Karis LeVert a lot more. But I just get the sense that if McConnell's coming back, if Karis LeVert's going to handle the ball a lot more, then the expendable piece then, based on on that conversation is clearly Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, Alex, it's, um, it seems like that is probably the case, but I want to, want to ask you about the trading down rumor. It's been a lot of talk about the Pacers trading down from their 13th pick down to the late teens or early twenties. I think Pacers Twitter would riot if they didn't take Moses Moody and he was available. Um, I keep seeing Moses Moody everywhere. Um, what do I, I look at Kevin O'Connor's big board from the ringer shades of OG and Anobi. Um, so watch us trade down for, <laughs> let me find the guy that we're Chris Duarte or uh, someone that's nowhere near as, as good or doesn't have anywhere near the potential of, uh, of Moses Moody. But anyway, I, what, what do you make of this? I mean, we've finally got a lottery pick. We finally have the chance to add a young piece that can grow with this team and add a bit of youth and excitement and enthusiasm. And we're thinking about taking a lesser talent. Well, I think the... The thing that the Pacers will be looking at, I'm trying to like rationalize this from their point of view, yeah. is that this draft is actually pretty deep. Like if you go through it and do your research, this draft is not that bad. It's better than last year's, especially outside of the uh, top five. But yeah, as you said, at 13, you know, it, you know, I don't think you're going to get Moses Moody for all the Pacers fans out there. I'm sorry, I don't think he's falls to 13, but you can get a good player that impacts you right away, because you know, Goga he's taken a couple of years and he's still trying to find his way into the rotation. Same with Aaron. They haven't really impacted us enough, right? At 13, you can get a guy who can come in right away and who can make a difference to a playoff team, which is what we are. Uh, albeit, if the Rockets rumor is true, they do have picks 23 and 24, I believe. So maybe they view that as a reason to move down. I would still rather them stay at 13 though. Justin, what are your thoughts? Is is Corey Kispert over Moses Moody the new TJ Leaf <laughs> over OG Ananobi? Oh, but you'll never get over it, Adam, will you? Never. Never, ever. Um, never, ever. Uh, um, uh, look, again, listening to Pritchard's interview, um, we know he's very political and stuff like that, but um, he did say, he got asked about the draft and he said, there's a lot of players he likes up until around pick 11. Um 
and then it drops off a bit for him. So it'll be interesting if the paces trade up um, because he likes a lot of people um, up until, ele- you know, 11, 12, 13. So um, whether he's just saying that to say it, as all GMs at this time of the year will barter and, you know, talk a bit of crap um, to, you know, do, do that sort of stuff. But I actually think they're going to make a deal with that pick. I don't think they're going to sit at 13. Um I think with this Carlisle signing, they're going to be really aggressive this offseason. You know, you remember KP for Portland. He was such an aggressive uh, draft night GM. He's swinging for the fences. He was making deals left, right, and center. I think there's one year he said he made 10 deals. Um, You know, with the Pacers, it's just been so quiet on on, on draft night. So, um, yeah, I I think they're either going to trade back or they're going to trade forward and try and get a top 10 pick. Um, So I'm excited. It's interesting you say that. I mean, I, I would love nothing more than for us to... I mean, you talk about Brogdon. Brogdon and 13 gets you into the top 10 and gets you probably fairly high into that top 10. Um, and it also gets you off $21 million. There are teams with cap space that would potentially take on that Malcolm Brogdon contract that that are picking in the top 10. I'm, I'm sure of that to try and get a bit more talent in their team. But I, I just... I really want them to pick in the lottery. I really want a young player to believe in. You know, Giddy is is a guy that we've talked about at length. I'm careless about whether they draft Giddy or not. I think Giddy's going to have a good NBA career wherever he goes. And if it happens to be the Pacers, I'll be stoked. If it doesn't, then that's okay too. There's another Australian in the, in the NBA and that's, that's sort of all that matters. But um, Alex, I don't know who you like in the top 10 or, or who you think Kevin Pritchard might like in that top 11 that he talks talks about. But, I mean, outside of the, the top, top, top couple of guys that there's almost no chance of being able to trade into those positions short of trading Sabonis, um, who, who do you like in that sort of 5 to 11 range? I think Kevin Pritchard has to be super high on Moody. He was like the first guy they brought in. Um, and also, just on people wanting to trade the pelicans were reportedly wanting to shop their uh, 10th pick for veteran guys so you know i've been talking about lonzo ball all this time on the podcast maybe you can make a sign and trade happen there where you get the 10th pick i don't really know but look there's going to be options as justin said where you can trade up or down um uh it is super tough for me outside of that anywhere from 7 to 14 is hard for me to get a gauge on i really like james Booknight. i think he's got shades of zach levine if you've watched these highlights so yeah him or moody if the paces get either one of those i would be ecstatic so our nba draft analyst i don't think either of us have done anywhere near the research that you've been doing in preparing for the mixtapes that you might have to drop on draft night but Very true. um <laughs> it's definitely a big part of your repertoire have you got how many just out of interest sidebar how many jersey swaps have you got holstered and ready to go for draft night oh god um Man, uh, this is bad. I've probably got like five or six already ready. <laughs> yeah. And what, what's your favorite looking jersey swap? Have you dropped it yet or are you are you waiting? Uh, probably the Lillard one. Probably the Lillard <laughs> one just because it's Dame. Yeah. 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 Even though there's literally zero chance of it happening, obviously. But yeah, like if we yeah. got Damien Lillard. Zero chance of it. Ha- I mean, look, we we would throw a party on this podcast if it did happen. But <laughs> I know um, Justin would be the, the happiest bloke in Australia of all time, I think. Pretty much. <laughs> you, you'd buy every single variation of the Dame Indiana jersey. You'd buy gold, you'd buy blue, you'd buy white, you'd buy everything, wouldn't you, Justin? Like that would just be the dream. 
Yeah, I would. Obviously, uh, you guys know he's probably my favourite non-pacer um, with obviously Steph Curry. But um, yeah, I, I, I would love that. But uh, we've talked about it before. We just want Indiana back on the basketball map. We, we want people to know who they are, know some players on the team. Like, again, I was walking around a Adelaide gym today and three people were wearing a Zion jersey. Now, you couldn't tell me five years ago that uh, three people in Australia would be wearing a Pelicans jersey in one gym. Um, and Pacers don't have that, so and they haven't had that for a long time. So I, I just love that. It would be good. I mean, look, shout out to NBA Twitter. We're seeing a lot of really poor fake trades right now. There's nothing we enjoy more than, uh, than getting a fake trade uh, at, uh, our Twitter account and just our minds exploding. So keep sending in the terrible trades that you uh, you think we should uh, we should do that are either heavily lopsided in our favour or heavily lopsided against the the paces. I don't think I've seen one fake trade yet that's that's actually even for both teams. I think it's just the nature of fake trades. Everyone thinks that you know they can they can pull this amazing deal from the other team, um, but it's going to be a pretty crazy couple of weeks in the NBA, we may see a player on the Olympic basketball team get traded while they're playing on the Olympic basketball team. Lillard could get traded during the Olympics. I mean, Alex, how crazy would that sort of be? It's it's always been one of those things where free agency has kind of been out of the way by the time the Olympics has rolled around. It, the players have signed their deals. They're, you know, there's no real sort of concern or or interest around the NBA because the Olympics is usually in August and the NBA season and the silly season of the NBA is usually at the start of July. This is this weird year where all of it's kind of intersected. Um, Bradley Beal's another guy, but yeah, you're yeah. right. I think there's a chance that the multiplayers get dealt. It's also an audition for a lot of guys who are free agents, but uh, it would be shades of, I don't know if you guys remember DeMarcus Cousins finding out that he was traded in an interview All-Star game. at All-Star Game. Yeah, yeah so it yeah. would be similar to that. I think it would be a pretty funny moment. Be pretty crazy. I think um, all three of us are obviously pulling for the Boomers to win gold. We think they're a realistic chance based on how they're looking so far. Um, but we will be with you throughout the Olympic uh, tournament play. We'll come to you and talk about how the Boomers are going, how Team USA is looking, and any further Pacers rumors that prop up. This has been the Pacers. We'll talk to you next week.